and dad, is that all right? Can we welcome our online, our online family? We welcome you guys. Can we continue in that love and adoration for our leadership as well, Pastor Greg and Pastor Tamara Dumas? We love you, Pastor. Come on. God is so good. Amen. I got three amens. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm going to we're gonna have to give out coffee. My Lord. Can I just get into a quick word of prayer and just so I can let God speak? I'm dying to hear what he's going to speak today. Is that all right? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, I just, I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. Lord, as always, I have spent many, many, many hours, Father God. I have prayed. I have fasted. I have studied, Father God. I have sought wisdom and counsel. And Father, as always, I ask you, Lord, to step in immediately, Lord, so that I can step out, Father God, so that you may use this vessel and this vessel alone, Father God, so that you can speak through it. Lord, I pray that you would use all of it or some of it Whatever you want to do, Lord, I submit to you, Father, and I just thank you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. amen. So I would like to start by saying um, this message has been a struggle for me to, to bring up and, and pretty much bring into a birthing situation, right? I, I, I want to try to encourage you because if it took me this much to get it here, I believe that we need to... Get ready, pay attention. So please, if you would, honor your leadership and pull out your Bibles, pull out your iPads, phones, uh, get some pen and paper online, amen. Get ready to take some notes and let's get into a posture of receiving from the Lord. Is that all right? Amen. So we are in a series called Summer Stories and I like to start off by sharing a story of my daughter, my 12-year-old my Isabel. Now, now I want to tell you that anytime I use any kind of story, I always ask the person for permission. Now, keep in mind, this is my daughter. She's 12 years old, so I was going to use it anyway, whether she said yes or no. Amen? All right, I'm still her daddy. Amen? Now, the other day, my daughter came downstairs and she said, you know, well, it started a little differently about um, a day or so before she came downstairs. She, she actually told me, she said, um, you know, Pop, I, you know, I've been on this, on this website and I've been looking at some things. And, you know, she, uh, I found out later she was on this app for about seven hours, almost seven hours. We're in a season where, where everyone is just taking this time to binge on stories and on different things, Netflix and all that stuff. And my daughter was on this app for almost seven hours and I saw my phone and I said, my goodness, how could you be spending this much time on this app? It was pointless. I said, would you start spending more time in God's word? He wants to spend time with you. He wants to communicate with you. Would you spend more time in God's word? So she, she went in that same app and she started to look at different moments of, of, of scripture. Now, she came across this young lady about three to four years maybe older than her, and, and the scriptures that she was using and the things that she was sharing was for current events that were happening now. And this young woman was so emotional, and speaking of prophetic dreams that have come to pass to current events that we are living in right now, to riots and COVID and different things like that. And though she did not give a, a specifics or links it shook my daughter a little bit. In fact, she began to, to ask me, is this true? Could this really happen? And I, and I told her, I said, baby, that's a prophetic word. And those prophetic words God gives to people, to men and women, if they are in the right posture so that they can deliver them. 
So then she went back upstairs and kept researching and looking, and she came back, and she was frantically in fear, crying to the point where I had to teach her some breathing exercises, and she was crying so much because she had then saw another one about a, a minute and this young woman said that three days earlier she had a, a, a dream that the end of times are near and we need to repent and get ready. You see, my, my daughter had a moment of conviction from the Lord. And she immediately, the enemy came in with condemnation. That's how the enemy does things. You see, God loves us so much that he'll bring about a conviction and then the enemy completely comes right in and throws in condemnation. So my daughter began to ask me, she said, Papi, I don't spend enough time in the Word. She said, am I going to go to hell? She started to question her salvation. She started to question whether or not she was going to get to live out her life fully and enter into the kingdom of heaven. I said, oh, no devil. Ain't no devil in hell going to prevail against my family. You see, we've been having a lot of talks about politics and worldviews and history, and though those things are important, especially in a time that we're living in, these are the topics that lately have had us coming against each other through disruption and dissension by way of the enemy. In fact, these conversations have caused some of us to speak out of place and so much in our flesh that we're starting to send some people to hell. Oh, I'm going to talk about it. Can, I, know, I know saying hell from the platform is like a taboo nowadays. You can't say it, amen? But I'm going to talk about hell a little bit if, if that's okay. Amen, I'm still going to do it. Amen. I'm glad I got the online audience with me. Amen. You preach. Listen, let me tell you something. There is, we are called as citizens of the kingdom of God. We are sons and daughters through sonship by way of Jesus Christ. We are supposed to be acting like brothers and sisters in Christ. But we've been reacting so much that we forgot the voice of God and forgot how to respond in moments that we are in for such a time as now. So I'm not going to talk to you about race, but I am going to talk to you about a remnant today. I'm not going to talk to you about politics, but I am going to try and tell you that the enemy has specific tactics to wear you out so that you can fall short of his glory. I'm not going to talk to you about our nation's history or any history for that matter, but I am praying that I can talk to you for a little bit about our biblical history from Genesis to Revelation so that then we can start overcoming the enemy. You see, one of the biggest problems right now is the fact that the enemy tries to drown out God's voice by telling us we don't know his voice, or as many have come to me and said, I don't hear from God. It's not that we're not faithful. I believe that a lot of us are, and possibly even that we don't even spend enough time in the Word. That might be, but I, you see, what I really believe that the problem is, is, is we do not process with the Lord anymore. When things come up, we immediately react instead of respond. But because we don't spend our time with the Lord, we don't process with him, so then we react in our flesh rather than responding in the spirit. Or as I like to say, I like to create a crime scene. I'll explain in a second. Here's the big idea. 
whose voice are you listening to? Whose voice, church, are we listening to? You see, there are seven mountains of influence. You go research it. If you've never heard it, you need to go look it up. Amen. I'm going to throw quite a bit of scripture at you. I hope that you write it down because I'm not going to read it all. I pray that we start reading a word and start to educate ourselves the way that God wants us to by reading his word. There are seven mountains of influence. Government, media, entertainment, business, education, religion, and family. And let me tell you something. We should be the voice on top of each and every one of those mountains, influencing our culture, influencing the country, influencing our world. But the enemy has tried to prop himself on top of those mountains, and there are different people of leadership influencing our culture. Different entities influencing, the lesser influencing the culture because they have a voice. When we have been called to have a voice, and that voice is the voice of God, and we need to prop ourselves in those mountains of influence. That way we can shift it. I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to talk about three different voices out of the story of 1 Samuel 17. If you have your Bible, go there, amen. If I see you Texting, it better be Jesus, amen, or you're typing. Here's the voice of a giant. 1 Samuel 17, verses 1 through 3. Now, the Philistines gathered their armies for battle, and they were gathered at Sukkah, which belongs to Judah. And they camped between Sukkah and Azekah in Ephes Damim. Saul and the men of Israel were gathered and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up in battle array to encounter the Philistines. The Philistines stood on the mountain on one side, while Israel stood on the mountain on the other side, influential mountains, with the valley between them. Listen to me, church. The Israelites, the army of the living God, were battle were in battle array. They dressed apart. They were in formation. They were in formation, ready for battle. They had the equipment, but were they battle ready? They were in battle array, but were they battle ready? And who was leading them? You see, there's a, there was a time that Saul was doing so much training for battle tactics so that they can gain ground that they had spent so much time training that they forgot to spend time with God and the voice that was leading them and going before them. Is this possibly what could be happening today? I'm not going to talk about the, 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 the giant Whenever we read the story, that's one of the main things that stick out. This giant named Goliath, huge, six cubits and a furlong. You know, he was, you know, nine foot, nine inch tall. And I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to talk about the problem because we are always going to have problems, church. Shame on all of us if we think that somehow we should be skipped over when trials and tribulations of many sorts come our way. Listen to me, it wasn't the size of the giant, it was the voice and the valley between them that was being projected and intensified. You've ever yelled in, 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 the, in the midst of a valley or, 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 and it echoed? 
You said, hello, hello. Imagine this giant saying, I'm going to kill you. 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 Imagine the word traveling. It wasn't the size of the giant. It wasn't how big he was, nine foot, nine inches. It wasn't any of that. In fact, I'll prove it to you. You see, I like to look at my giants whenever I face any giants of sorts, like a two-year-old, cute, pretty, little girl ballerina with, with, with a pink tutu on talking about, I'm going to kill you. I'm... Listen, if, if the giant came out and said, I'm going to kill you, Hector, I'm going to kill you, do you think the armies of the living God would have said, oh, my God, he's about to do a ballet on us? 40 days and 40 nights, we got to run. Oh, my goodness. What if he walked out there doing a moonwalk? On, you know what I mean? He'd be like, oh, my goodness, he's about to do the moonwalk again. Think about this. It's not the size of the giant. It's the voice. Are we reacting or are we responding in faith? What voice are we listening to, church? Here's the, the voice of family and friends. Maybe, maybe there's not a giant right now in your life that you're, 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 you're coming against, maybe, or coming against you rather. Maybe it's the, the voice of a family member. Maybe, maybe the giant comes by way of a, of a friend bringing problems. In the same chapter, verse 28, it says, Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the man, and Eliab's anger burned against David, and he said, Eliab... His brother, David's brother, Eliab, he says, why have you come down, David? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your insolence and the wickedness of your heart, for you have come down in order to see the battle. But David said, what have I done now? Was it not just a question? Then he turned away from him to another and said the same thing, and the people answered the same thing as before. Listen to me. Sometimes you're going to have family that's going to speak into your life in, in a certain way that you should not receive. They're going to come against you. And maybe you're going through some of that. I know clearly I have. And even recently, where family will try to rise up and say things that they shouldn't. David did not fight with him. David didn't say, shut up. Get off. He didn't fight with him. He didn't push him around like two little boys in a playground. You know, you remember how we used to do it. You just, you punch me first. You know, with the shoulders. You punch me. No, you punch me. He, didn't, he, didn't, he, didn't, he, didn't, he did not talk trash to him. He just turned his head and looked at somebody else that would pay attention. He didn't waste his time talking trash. He did not react in his flesh. He responded in faith. Numbers 13 and 14, I, I, I'm asking you, please read your Bibles. Numbers 13 and 14 talks about a great story. God comes to Moses and says, Moses, I need for you to grab me 12 spies, one from each tribe. And I want you to send them to this land that I've promised of milk and honey. You guys are getting ready to enter into this land. I need you to go and spy it out. Here's what happens. Moses gives direction to the 12 spies. He says, listen, for 30 days, go out there. And I want you to come back and bring me back a report. I want you to tell me if they're great in size, if they're a gathered people and they're unified, if they have strongholds. He says, bring me back a report. He said, and also bring me back something, some, some, some tangible fruit, something that I can grab a hold of. He said, go ahead and bring me some of that back. And they do. I've got a picture. 
This is a cluster of grapes. The Bible says that they returned all 12 after 30 days. And after 30 days, they brought back a cluster of grapes, pomegranates, and figs. And it was so big that two people had to carry it over a pole. The fruit was there. Yet when they arrived, 10 swayed the whole people. 10 people swayed millions of people from missing out on the blessing of milk and honey. Only Caleb and Joshua said, let's go get after it. Listen to me. Moses asked them to bring back a report, not their opinion. I'm going to keep it simple. Moses said, bring me back proof. Bring me back. And they said, Moses, listen, these grapes are delicious. You might be able to make some really good wine. Here's the deal. We shouldn't go, though, man. And 40 years delayed their blessing of milk and honey. Church, are we reacting in such a way that is causing us to miss the blessing of milk and honey that God has provided? Whose voice are we listening to? Here's the last and third voice, the voice of leadership. Verse 31 through 33. When the words which David spoke were heard, they told them to Saul. So David turned his head. He said, big brother, you don't want to listen. Amen. I'm going to tell somebody that will. Well, somebody listened. They ran to Saul and they said, hey, Saul. Um, there's somebody out there. So they, they heard what David said. Saul said, David, come on, call, call David in here. David said to Saul, let no man's heart. David says to King Saul, let no man's heart fail on account of this big joker. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Then Saul said to David, you think about this for just a moment. David just heard the voice of a giant. David just heard the voice of his brother's discouragement. And now Saul says, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. For you are but a youth while he, was, while he has been a warrior from his youth. Here's now the third disappointment coming against him. Listen, I'm not talking about being rebellious. I'm not talking about being rebellious when leadership speaks. I'm not talking about that at all. In fact, if you go to the same book in, in the 15th chapter, verses 22 and 23, I'll give you a couple. And it says, for rebellion is as the sin of divination and insubordination is as iniquity and idolatry. Listen, I'm not telling you to be rebellious. I'm saying that there may be a voice of leadership out there right now or multiple that are trying to sway you by way of voice and you're reacting instead of responding in faith. That's, that's, all, that's all I'm saying. I'm saying it could be a boss. You know what? It's gotten to the point where we can't even say the word president from a platform because people get offended. You see, but here, here's, here's the crazy thing. The Bible tells us that he, God, has placed people in authority over us. And that we are to submit. But I think for most, we, I, you might rather have me say an F-bomb rather than say the word submit. That's easier. That's more the culture. You see, but God placed people of authority over us. And we are to submit under that covering. 
so that we can walk in blessing. But we get so offended and pick up wounds because we're reacting in the flesh and not by way of the spirit. Church, whose voice are we listening to? Personally, I think the greatest verse out of this whole chapter, this whole chapter of 17 in 1 Samuel is 17.41. It's a simple verse. And the Lord highlighted this to me years ago. And every time I read this story, he highlights it again for me. But I, I didn't quite grab it until I was processing with God this sermon. And it's a very simple scripture. In fact, I say this respectfully. It's almost like, okay, so what? Like, okay, yeah. This, okay, yeah. This, it should have happened this way. And, 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 and let me explain what it means, what, what, what I mean by that. Then the Philistine came on and approached David. I'm like, all right, God, yeah. I mean, that's, that's what happens when two people are getting ready to fight. But then he says, comma, with the shield bearer in front of him. Listen, David got the chance that he needed. The enemy came around from that shield and stuck his big fat head out. And David said, oh, now I see you. Now I see this big head joker, and I'm coming to cut your head off. You see, the enemy will always expose himself at some point and stick his head just right enough so that you can cut it off. Let me, exp- let me prove it to you. Later on, what does David do? David cut off his head, right? The Bible says that David cut his head off. David didn't go in there with a butter knife, a switchblade, or even a, a sword. The enemy was carrying the very thing that he needed to cut his head off. The enemy will always bring you exactly what you need to counterattack him if we would only respond instead of react. Listen, I don't want to talk about the problem. I want to talk about how we overcome. So I want to talk about a few things because the enemy is always going to try to come at us in one or two different ways. You see, the first way I like to, the first point I want to bring up is to speak truth. David did not, listen, when David got up there ready to fight, David did did not say anything but the truth. He said, I see your sword. I see all this stuff you have, your armor. He said, but uh, today the Lord will deliver you unto my hand. That's the word of God. He just spoke truth. He said, oh, and by the way, I promise you it won't, be, it won't be before I cut your head off. But I'll tell you this, when I do cut your head off, it will not go to waste because the fowls of the air are going to feast on your body. Oh, and by the way, the beasts of the ground are going to feast on your body. But God said he's going to give you to me today. He spoke truth. He didn't walk out there and Goliath said, hey, I'm going to kill you. And David started tripping out on him and said, man, who are you talking to? Don't be talking about my mama. He didn't start tripping on him. He didn't start saying, oh, your mama, no, your mama, your mama's fat. He didn't start going back and forth with him. He didn't argue. He didn't say, hey, do you know who, he didn't say anything but the truth. And then in that scripture in 17 verses 45 through 47, right around there, he even says that he was going to cut his head off. Now, when I'm thinking about this first, I say to myself, if I'm going to cut his head off, I need to have something on me to cut his head off with. David did not worry about that because, again, the enemy was carrying the very thing he needed to cut his head off with. He just stepped in by faith because he did not react. He responded by way of the Spirit. And that's what we got to get back to. 
Let me expose the enemy, amen. Can I do that? Amen. I'm glad six of y'all are good. Let's do it. You see, the enemy comes at you with things. That, there's an approach that I like to call the grabbing for nothing approach. He comes at us with things. Listen to me. You want to combat the enemy? I, I promise you half the battle's already won, amen, and probably most of the battle if you would listen. Please listen. Take this note. The enemy will come at you with what I like to call the grabbing for nothing approach. He will bring up things from your past that you have already overcome in your walk in Christ because Christ does set us free, amen, because when you're free, you're free indeed. I, I read that somewhere, amen. So if you're free, the enemy will come back with those same tactics trying to trigger you. You know why he comes at you to trigger you and bring fear? Because he knows fear. He's tasted fear because our God is mighty. So our God already brought the fear of the Lord on him, and he knows that if he can bring fear to us, then we might just stumble and react instead of respond. But here's the truth. All we have to do is speak truth to the enemy and say, no, 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 Satan, I overcame that already. No, 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 Satan, that's my old nature that you're trying to bring up. That's not me anymore. I don't operate in that anymore. I'm not going to open up that website anymore. I overcame that. Amen. I'm going to make a covenant with my eyes that I may not look upon another. I, I may, I've already overcome these things. But here's what happens. We fail to speak truth. So the enemy has a field day with us. But what if you're just about getting ready to get another measure of faith? You're about to be elevated into a different place. Breakthrough is right around the corner. So the enemy brings the old things because he is fearful of what you can potentially do. Think about you bringing fear to the enemy. So he's trying to bring up that old nature. And all we have to do is say, nope. And here's the deal. If you, if, if, if you can't speak anything, just speak biblical truth. That's what the archangel Michael did. He didn't argue with him. Listen, one of the, one of, Jude, the first chapter, is the best chapter out of the whole book. My God, read your Bible, it's the only chapter of Jude, amen? It's one chapter, chapter one. My goodness, we got to read your Bible. I'm going to pray for you on the way out. Jude 1, only chapter, verse 9. Here's, 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 here's the verse. I'll say it quickly. But Michael, the archangel... When he disputed with the devil, disputed with the devil and argued about the body of Moses, did not dare pronounce against him a railing judgment, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Listen to me. He disputed and argued by way of saying, the Lord rebuke you. That was it. That's how he, dis he disputed. What did he do? He spoke truth. He said, the Lord rebuke you. Bag up my brother Moses and pour me an ice-cold glass of water, and I'm getting ready to leave hell in about two minutes. Hurry up. That's what he did. He spoke truth, and the devil couldn't do a thing. If you don't know what to say, the simplest thing to say is, the Lord rebuked thee. See, I believe that there's a, a remnant that God is trying to raise up so that we can influence these mountains. You see this, 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 this giant called Goliath, the remnant was led by a man, a young man by the name of David, a young man. 
He had the right posture, his heart, a man after God's own heart. Then you had guys like Joshua and Caleb, just two. Influence, remnant, rose up. When they went in there, man, they went in there swinging. Leading a people, God is not asking for millions, he's asking for a remnant. Church, he's asking for you. He's asking for you. The archangel Michael, I believe that an, arch, an angel in the spirit realm rose up to lead the host of armies. A remnant. Here's the second point and final point. Create a crime scene or process with the Lord. Create a crime scene or process with the Lord. There's a great movie, amen, it's deep, deep in theology. Um, I have a picture of it. It's uh, Iron Man part three, amen. Um, if you don't watch Iron Man and you don't like Iron Man, send me an email, amen. Uh, but here's the deal, okay. This is a great movie. You see, every time I watch something, I try to get the spiritual application out of it. Okay, and I tried to bring it in such a way that I can communicate it to somebody else, especially my children. Okay, and, and here's a great clip. In fact, there's going to be a clip in the sermon notes. It's three minutes, 54 seconds. I encourage you to listen to it because the very beginning, there was a reporter right outside, right outside this, uh, uh, the emergency room lobby, and she says it twice. She says, we are waiting on Tony Starks. We're waiting on his reaction. Tony Stark is going to give us a reaction. Twice. He comes out. And right before he makes it, he's about to get into his car. Someone says, hey, when are you going to kill this guy? And Tony Stark turns around and says, you want me to kill him? He says, you know what? I decided I just killed him. We're just going to have some good old-fashioned going back and forth, amen, just grudge back and forth, and I'm going to go ahead and kill him. Today, I'm, in fact, come over to my house. He gives then his address. When he shows up back at his house, he then creates what I call a crime scene. It's a virtual crime scene. The beautiful thing about this virtual crime scene is I do it all the time. Whenever I am triggered in any way, I create a virtual crime scene and I process with the Lord, why am I going through this? Why am I triggered? Why can I shake this off of me? Why can I do that? You see, in this scene, it's a beautiful scene because he elevates himself from every heat signature. And he's looking for every heat signature that's alike to a attack that just recently happened. Now, why is this important? Because he finds one, and Jarvis, the computer guy, you know, he says, uh, uh, Tony, um, the reason why this has happened, but this, uh, uh, this does not uh, look like any Mandarin attack. It predates every Mandarin attack before. He says it predates. Listen to me, church. Most wounds that we carry predate our current crime scene, our current situation. If we fail to go back and process with God, we're going to keep stumbling on the very thing that the enemy tries to bring to cut our head off, that sword. You see, but we have to stop, create a crime scene process. Why am I feeling this way? You see, if you spoke truth to it, amen, and it, it should leave if you overcome that. But sometimes these are remnants of that truth that resurface and we have yet to address them. So the enemy beats us with them until we actually process with God and get set free. Amen. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a simple explanation. Simple explanation. I went fishing. I, I go fishing with Pastor Greg. I mean, he, he's, he's a blessing, takes us out fishing, the whole staff, a, a ton of us. He we went fishing a while back, and um, 
I remember we went fishing. This is like one of my very first times. Listen, I, I don't, I'm, I can't tell you that I am uh, an amazing fisherman. I do try to catch everything and try to keep it, amen, but it's illegal. You have this kind of rule, this, this thing, it's got to be in season and all that, man. Like, that's why I don't like going fishing too much because I want to eat them all. So, but I go with Pastor Greta and he keeps me in line. And one of the things he taught me outside of casting and holding my pole and all that good stuff, he actually taught me how to hook the shrimp. And I remember when I, this was a while back when we went fishing for one of the very first times, I drop it in the water and I'm, I'm there just a few minutes. And all of a sudden, Pastor Greg says, Pastor Hector, uh, go ahead and check your bait. Now listen, I'm not trying to be rebellious. I just have to be honest, amen, because I want to honor my platform. But I was thinking, brother, I, brother, I know my shrimp is still here. What you talking about? You know, I'm like, I mean, Pastor, I'm holding the pole. I haven't felt a tap, 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 you know. But every time I reeled up, when he asked me to, my shrimp was gone. I was like, like Forrest Gump out there, you know, shrimp kebab, you know, sauteed shrimp, gumbo shrimp. I mean, I was feeding the ocean. I mean, they, they had all sorts of, uh, I mean, they, they, I fed the ocean that day, barely caught any fish. You see, the point I'm trying to make is that the enemy will always bring the bait. What we are supposed to do is take the bait and not get hooked. You see, he brings us the very things that we need to take because it's things that we haven't addressed. But what happens most times is that we won't address it. We take the bait, we get hooked, and then he lets that line run until he wears us out. And then he reels us in to bring our big butts on the, on the fishing boat so that then he can what? Fillet us. And guess what they're having for dinner? Hector fillets for dinner in hell. That's what happens. That's what happens. Simply put, take the bait, don't get hooked. We have to stop reacting in our flesh and start responding in the spirit. The enemy brings, meaning God allows for the enemy to bring you the very thing that you haven't overcome. And you're saying, why is this happening? Because you have yet to create a crime scene, yet to process with your heavenly father that wants to set you free. Breaks my heart to see people struggle in, with the same things year after year when they can be set free immediately. But what if we began to shift the atmosphere? What if we began to shift the atmosphere by responding rather than reacting? You, have you ever, you ever heard the, um, the saying, when you get upset, count to ten? You ever heard that, like count to 10, calm down? Listen, that doesn't work for me. When I think about count to 10, I'm thinking one, boy, wait till I get to 10. Two, I'ma cut his head off like Goliath. Three, I'ma talk about her mama in like two minutes. Four, did I say I'ma cut his head off? Five, I'm just waiting to get to 10 so I can come out like a, like a hungry vampire, ready to just latch on, boy, and hurt somebody. But, but what if, what if we began to, to count to nine. What if, what if we started to count to nine by way of fruit? What if we began to speak fruit to the circumstance instead of taking the bait and getting hooked, but taking the bait and then we start to speak one, love. Two, joy. 
No, I'm not going to let you. I'm not going to let you take it. Three, peace. Uh -uh, Surpasses all understanding. I'm not going to let you have it. Four, patience. I'm going to take my time with this. Five, kindness. Six, goodness. Seven, this is a, a different kind of F, a different kind of F word we, we barely use, faithfulness. Eight, gentleness. God, help me with number nine, self-control. What if we started to talk by way of fruit? What if we started to respond by way of fruit instead of counting the ten? So what do you say, Remnant? You see, I talked briefly about those, those seven mountains of influence, and I became a remnant from my daughter in one of those mountains, family. I was a remnant for her. David was a remnant for Israel. Joshua Caleb for the land that they had to possess. The archangel Michael for a host of armies. I believe that God wants a remnant to rise up, church, to come up for such a time as now. Listen to me, if, if here and online, if you are ready to be that remnant, to step out, you see, you are what's needed to bring about the people of God for such a time as now. The voice that's in you, the voice of God is what they have to hear. So if I'm just, I'm gonna throw this challenge out there. Please don't get up if, you're, if you don't want to. No condemnation at all, amen. If you want, if you're ready to be a part of that remnant, I'm gonna ask you to stand up right where you're at here and online. If you're ready to be that remnant, I'm just gonna ask you to stand up and I wanna pray for you. That's it, simply. If you're that remnant, if you're online, click on the pray button. Let one of our pastors speak to you and pray. Be patient. They'll get to you. But I want to pray for you. If you're ready to take that stance, to be the remnant of the armies of the true living God, let me pray for you. Father God, Lord, I thank you. For each and every person, Father God, that's not standing to stand because someone's watching them. Lord, you're watching. Lord, you're, you're looking, you're scavenging even at times to find a pure heart to pour into, to speak in the simplest of moments when someone needs to hear a voice and a voice of God, not a voice of this world, an influential voice that's getting us deterred and missing heaven. Lord, I pray for each and every person that has stood up online, that watches this message, that's here present, Father God, that's ready to be that remnant, that, that, that piece of tapestry, Lord, that, that you're going to create something beautiful with. Lord, I ask you in the name of Jesus, Father God, that not only they step up, Father God, but that they will pursue you relentlessly, Father God, that they will speak truth to the enemy when he comes. And Father God, if there's something that they still have to process, that they will create that crime scene, Lord, so that they can cleanse themselves and be upright before you so they can continue to pursue as citizens of the kingdom of God. 
Lord, it is needed in this season. And Father, there's a people right there, a remnant. So God, I thank you and I give you the glory. Lord, and I speak by your authority these things to be not as though they were. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I want to I wanna do a salvation call. If there's anybody in the house watching online, if you have not accepted Jesus Christ, I want to I explain something to you. And a, a hyperbole is simply an exaggeration. Simple, I'm so hungry I could eat a horse. That's, that's an exaggeration. I have been waiting in this line forever. What Jesus said, Jesus used hyperboles. He said, the sawdust that is in someone else's eyes when you have a log in your own eye. He used hyperboles, except when Jesus used hyperboles, they had power behind them. Why am I saying this? I'm just going to keep it real. The other day, my coil went out in my house, and it was 91 degrees, and I said, it is hot as hell in here. That's exactly what I said. I feel like the Lord said, really? Anybody in hell would have loved to be there. They probably would have wore a bomber jacket. It would have been so cold for them. And here I am using a hyperbole as such. But you know, you know what the Bible says in Luke 16? He said there was a, a rich man, a ruler. And he said, Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus so that um, he may dip the tip of his fingers in the water and cool my tongue off for I'm in agony in this flame. If you go to Revelation, go to Revelation 20. It talks about a second death, a fire that's consuming, that's everlasting. Listen, hell is real. And listen, it shook my daughter straight. As a result, I had the opportunity to then realize and find out that my little girl deals with anxiety. She jumped on a U-version plan and now she's, she's, she's overcoming anxiety. It's dealing with anxiety. I feel like the Lord gave me this image of his hands. You know, our Lord was a carpenter, and you think about a modern-day carpenter and a carpenter. In that time, they had different kinds of tools. I have a carpenter picture of, of, of a 10-year-old carpenter hands. just want you to look at them. A bit rough. Then I have another picture of a carpenter that's 25-plus years. I've shook these hands. They're like, like leather, man. They're like tough. And I feel like the Lord said... I endured such beatings in my hands so that one day I can endure the nails that were going to be driven through the cross so that you can be set free. If you have not accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, he endured those nails. He, he beat those hands up enough that those nails could be pierced in his hands and he can withstand it. So I want you to say this prayer. If you have any doubts of your salvation if you have not accepted Jesus Christ the time is now because the time I was talking with Pastor Bruno the other day and I said when we say the time is short we're not saying that the time is short the timeline is short listen we don't know the day the hour when the Lord is coming back but your day may be short your lifespan may be short if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior let us all repeat this, and I pray that you would receive him. Father, repeat after me. Say, Father, I know that I'm a sinner. 
I fall short of your glory. But you sent your only begotten son to endure those nails in his hands so that I could be set free. Your blood sets me free from all sin and gives me eternal life. I choose that now. I repent now. Father, come into my life now. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Listen, if there's somebody here on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand and let us know. Online, if you've accepted Jesus Christ for the very first time, you can text the word Jesus to the number that will come up on the screen in a second. We want to know because we want to walk alongside you. So I'm going to count to three, and I just want you to be bold. I want you to let us know and raise your hand. Here we go. One, two, three. Come on. And I always got to ask. I always got to ask. There's kids in the crowd. There's friends in the crowd. There's family members in the crowd. But I'm believing for salvations today. Can we give God a hand? Is that all right? Listen to me. I'll end it this way. If you don't remember a thing I've said today, remember this. Whose voice are you listening to? God bless you. Thank you, Jesus. If that was you today, if the Lord is working on you right now and you're feeling that, you just can't describe what it is, press into that. Today might just be the day that you confess the Lord as Savior and he comes into your life. So if that is you, if you've made that decision today, please text the word Jesus to the number on the screen and we will connect with you because we know the importance of coming alongside you and surrounding you with fellow believers so that we can get you walking on the right path. You know, there's a lot of things in life that we want to be comfortable in. 
When I'm on the airplane, I like to have a comfortable seat with a little bit of arm room. When I'm riding a bicycle, I, I want a comfortable seat, some padding. But when I come to church, I don't want to be comfortable. I look for that conviction. Because I trust that every man and woman that stands up here on this platform has spent time with the Lord in prayer and fasting, in the word, seeking counsel, just as Pastor Hector did. And what you might be wrestling with right now, just as Pastor talked about, is conviction. And we need to ask ourselves, Lord, what is that? What, why do I feel this way? Press into that. Conviction is a good thing. Shame, guilt, condemnation, that's not from the Lord. And just as Pastor Hector said, the Lord rebuke shame, guilt, and condemnation. There are people online right now. I know because I saw it. I hear you, I see you, I'm with you. There are people repenting right now because of what they reacted to from the platform last week. And they're repenting and say, Lord, forgive me for reacting and not responding in faith. That's the power of the word of God. That's transformational. That's conviction, and that is beautiful. So continue to seek, continue to press in when you feel those convictions, when you feel that wrestling coming on. And the Lord is faithful to see you through it. We have to respond in faith. Righteousness in faith alone, in Christ alone. We're gonna transition now as we bring our tithes and offerings. Speaking of rebuking, the Lord says that when we tithe to the storehouse, that he rebukes the devourer. 90% blessed is better than 100% cursed every day of the week. And Lord, we acknowledge that you provide all that we have. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for truth. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for conviction. Lord, that when we walk According to your spirit, your spirit ministers to us, comforts us, counsels us, supports us, allows us to discern what is of you and what is not. And so, Lord, I pray right now, even as conviction continues to come, even as those times of, of wrestling continue to happen, even as I speak, Lord, that your spirit, that your voice would silence all other voices. That, would, that repentance would come where it needs to come. Lord, we're asking for a blessing on our tithes and offerings, Father. We thank you. We know that you provide it all. So, Lord, we cheerfully give back to you what is yours. Use it for your kingdom. Multiply it, Father. We give you the praise and glory and honor today. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today. Please stay connected all throughout the week. We will see you all again very soon. God bless.